Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. Today's Conscious Awesome show isn't just special because it's about sovereignty. It's also special because this marks our first video episode. If you are inspired, as you are inspired, to scope the visuals to see what this Justin Polgar character actually looks like, head on over to our Locals page, consciousawesome.locals.com. Join us. Join the community. It's where we post our videos. It's where we host live streams. It's where all sorts of cross-pollinating, collaborating, and high-vibing awesomeness happens. As well, stock up on chocolate. Yescacao.com. Buy Danny's book. Word up. Little languaging hacks for big change. Have a rockin' day. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Greetings, my conscious awesome tribe. The people who I, I just, I love you guys. I love you. I know, I know that I love and I know that you're listening and there's an intersection there. And this is where we are at the Conscious Awesome podcast where myself, Justin Polgar, and my lovely co-host, Danny Katz, will wax and wane on topics delicious to the expansion of your consciousness. Yes, that's what we <laughs> yes, that's what we do. And, and I want to let you know, uh, listeners, this is not an efforted task. This is not an efforted task. This is just pure joy, us communicating what's flowing through with levity and as much fun as possible. The Conscious Awesome Credo is fun and easy. So we welcome you to harmonize with the fun and easy vibes and carry them throughout your day, week, life, timelines, eternity. Yeah, please share. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Please share. Thank you for sharing. So Danny, uh, welcome to this episode, which I've been really excited about uh, because the topic, the topic is near and dear to both of us. And I know that we could we can talk about this and we have spoken about this topic and around this topic uh, many, 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 many times. And so this, this is going to be super fun. The topic today is dun, 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 dun. sovereignty. Sovereignty. What? <sighs> Doesn't it feel, it's like, it's impossible for me to say sovereignty without acknowledging like the full body release and like ah it's just encoded with such yummy yesness for me really love sovereignty and all that it stands for 
there's a like a shield or a boundary that I can feel around my body that kind of claims my space. Yeah. Sovereign being. I I am. Period. Boom. Boom. It's 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 all in there. It's um it's a topic that is very up right now, I think. It's it's probably been up forever. <laughs> forever for humans. Um and because I, th- I, I think I see that in this organism, in this instrument, there is a pulse and a leaning towards freedom and sovereignty and self-governance and really being of my own essence so that I can come through there much more potently. There's, there's, a, there's definitely a quality of presence to the sovereign. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, for me personally, I don't know that I would even describe it as a leaning so much as a no-da. A no-da. That's how I I see sovereignty as a no-da. It's not like, oh, I'm leaning towards the sovereign and maybe someone else isn't. I feel like it's a no-da that is inherent with incarnation as a living being. There's something that, um, that I'll get into a little later about witnessing sovereignty in nature and looking at different models of sovereignty, um, interdependent sovereignty. I'm so I, excited to hear, I'm, to hear. I'm so excited for that, that part of our podcast. <laughs> and, and this part of existence and of this paradigm, because um, if you're listening to this and are somewhat familiar with sovereignty or deeply in, in, involved in, in the knowing of, of what that means for you, I think this is going to be delicious conversation. So let's just jump right in let's and talk about, uh, let's just start with definitions of sovereignty. Um, I, for myself, uh, I just simplify it, not just simplify it. I simplify sovereignty as self-rule, Same. being a self-ruler. Same. And to that, to that end, and actually to that beginning, uh, that really calls into question when other, the elusive other, attempts to rule you as a being or me as a being. Uh, there, there's a very definitive difference and it's an important thing to learn how to discern that where the instructions are coming from, where's the governance coming from and having a, a, a lens up or really more so having a, a red flag that goes up if something encroaches on that. Yeah, it really ties into to write use of will that book that, that we love so much, which I would, I, I hadn't described it like this before, but it feels like it's a sovereignty handbook. I agree. It is a sovereignty handbook. So potent. So potent. There's a wake up in that, in that. A lot of wake ups. A lot of wake ups. Hallelujah. Yeah. I don't, I don't historically respond well. It's 222 PS some love for some magic numbers. Uh, I historically don't respond well when um, my sovereignty is encroached upon. <laughs> I have witnessed such things. And, and alternatively, or you know, in its inverse, when you are in your power and experiencing your sovereign being, that is when I witness Danny Katz in her most joy and in her most inhabiting of this human experience. I.e. when I'm on the dance floor. <laughs> the dance floor is an amazing place to be sovereign. Actually, that's, let's actually jump into that real quick because that's a fun place to 
exercise the nonverbal sovereignty? Well, it is. And it's also like, for me, it was a big deal to learn to be unselfconscious on a dance floor and to allow myself to be as sovereign as I wanted to be without any concern for like how I was being perceived. I would say that was a big leap in my overall sovereignty to, to move past ideas of self-consciousness and how I was being perceived on a dance floor and to just allow myself to be completely in my free expression and not care how it looks. <laughs> it's a, I mean, that's a, it's a really important and it's an, if you want to be a good dancer, you got to learn how to be your own dancer. I feel like everyone's a dancer and I don't mean like a trained technical dancer. Everyone has their way of expressing through movement. And so often it's just a matter of like giving ourselves permission to do that and to discover what that is. Yeah, this, this instrument that we have, this body instrument, has so many facets of expression through movement. And the dance floor is a free space to do that. I mean, depending on what dance floor you are. I, sometimes Whole Foods is my dance floor. Totally. The protonphile. <laughs> like, ooh, look at that melon. Actually, they don't have any melons right now. I did just notice that. But that's okay. I actually um, don't go to Whole Foods anymore because it doesn't feel like a sovereign space for me. Just, just to be clear, that's me in natural grocers where I do feel sovereign. Beautiful that you found a space to be sovereign. Though in true sovereignty and in true sovereignty, it matters not where you are. And there's an efficacious, in some, in some respects, it would be excellent for you to go into a Whole Foods and just pulse and emanate the sovereign. A hundred percent. I really hear that and know that and feel that and I'm committed to being that emotionally sovereign mm -hmm. that I roll like that and I'm excited that I'm getting better and better all the time <laughs> this this is an unroll it's a blossoming this is a an unveil an evolutionary process there's no finishing every moment is new information coming in and how am I responding to this right uh, and I think, and the dance floor is an interesting contemplation as well, because you're being sovereign and the people who are right next to you are also being sovereign in an ideal dance floor, uh, where we are together being sovereign. There's a teamwork in that. And that's something that I think is, is often overlooked in the conversation about sovereignty is what it looks like for lots of sovereign beings to be working together. I, I appreciate you differentiating that because I think that is the most important thing in the sovereignty conversation is like someone else's expression of sovereignty is going to look different than my expression of my own sovereignty and like on a dance floor to respect those differences and to respect those different expressions. Yeah, and we can celebrate it. We can have preferences about other people's dances. Um, and ultimately, we are free to dance how how source is coming through us. I will say, just to be completely honest, uh, yesterday I went to the post office and the po post office is next to it, a, na a natural food store that I used to go to and I don't go there because I feel like my sovereignty is infringed upon. And I saw the people outside waiting in a line with their masks and I said out loud, slaves. And then I was like, that's not helpful, Danny. Like judging how they're choosing to do it 
is not helpful. So I'm in the process of letting go of the judgment I have towards, yeah, my opinion of what, of people clamping down on their own sovereignty or giving their sovereignty away. In that we are all connected and all one, it seems like it would be easier, an easier task if, uh, it will be an easier task when we are all sovereign together. Yes. Amen. There's an, there's an exponentially, there's an exponential on that where, where we are, it just makes it easier. It's the same thing in, uh, in group meditation where one person meditating has a certain vibration, 10 people getting together exponentially increases that 10,000 people doing it together. Like that meditation that, um, that was coordinated last month. Uh, I did that. Did you do that? I did that as well. And uh, someone had posted the frequency of the earth. Did you see that chart? The, the frequency of the earth? How it, it totally shifted. Totally shifted. And it is, I'm it, curious it, about yeah. how, say that again. It's, it's continuing to shift. The Schumann reson resonance has officially shifted since, I don't know if it's since that meditation or since lockdown. Or, or yeah, there's magnets. There's a magnetic frequency that's also shifting, apparently. There's a lot of shifts happening right now. Mm. How do you, like, as a sovereign being, how do you, how do you describe your own sovereignty? Like, give me a taste of it, of what makes you a sovereign being. There's, there's opportunities all over the place to, to, to be prompted. I feel like, I feel that life is a set of prompts for me to respond with sovereignty. Okay. And it's not something that, it's not something that uh, has a protocol necessarily, or like a, I do this check, check mark checklist. Uh, instead more so, usually actually in the learning curve of it, to be honest, uh, in the learning curve of it, I notice when I'm not being sovereign right after. Uh, and I'll have this immediate hindsight is 2020. And, and, and see where it is that I, ah, you know, I gave away my power there, which is essentially the opposite of being sovereign. Right. Um, is when you give away your power, um, when we victimize ourselves, when we think that, when we give the other power over us. Uh, and there's plenty of opportunities to do that in culture. <laughs> plenty, plenty. Um, and to be in the dialogue with it is a sovereign act. You know, to be questioning where, where is my, is my responsibility? That, that itself is a sovereign act. Well, right, be, that indicates that we're not totally enslaved. Like we're free enough to see that we're getting in our way. And that awareness indicates a degree of sovereignty. Yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity to test ourselves and to practice this. Yeah. And how do I see myself as sovereign? Uh, I think the critical thinking and questioning is a primary in inlet for this stream. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the critical thinking, uh, when I hear something, uh, no matter where it's coming from, as a fact, it's being presented to me as a fact, my, it's not even a guard that goes up, it's just my boundary of sovereignty questions whether or not I want that to be true for myself. Do I deem that to be true for myself? Right. what needs to happen in order for it to be true or can I just discard it because mm 
it doesn't, not that it doesn't align with my preferences. There's a resonance, there's a resonance frequency there. Um, my, when I was in my 20s, I started questioning not just information that was coming towards me, but my own ideas and beliefs and opinions and assertions. And I started a practice of like, where did this thought come from? Like, did I come to this idea of my own volition and experience in critical thinking, or is this something that I've been indoctrinated with? And that became like a pretty standard filter that allowed me to unravel a lot of programs that weren't mine. There, there are a lot of exercises in uh, like that coaches will use, uh, where where we identify the influence of our parents, yeah, family, and seeing who am I and who am I because of, in spite of or because of uh, some learned behavior from our parents. Yeah. And it's a super, it's a very enlightening thing because we find out how, how nature and nurture work together. It's in enlightening that. and it's horrifying. <laughs> it can be. I mean, there's, there, are qualities, there are qualities from both of my parents that I'm so grateful to have. Yeah. And like every generation, like I hope that my, that I hope that Orion, that my son, learns things from me to do and also things not to do. I, I'm, I'm anticipating, I'm even expecting him to evolve the genetic code that will continue. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm, it's a kind of a wide topic, so my mind is reaching for a bunch of different things uh, as far as how sovereignty lands for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll sometimes subset uh, sovereignty where there's, there's emotional sovereignty, there's physical sovereignty, there's um, intellectual sovereignty, which is kind of what we were just speaking to. Of, is this idea mine or, or is, have I been indoctrinated by it? Uh, and then there's spiritual and conscious sovereignty, which gets a little bit more into the meta, but is also very practical. Totally. And emotional sovereignty, I think, comes, comes in for, for myself in the balance of the masculine and feminine. Okay. And in, and in knowing or in more in feeling uh, where I am in that spectrum and knowing that I am giving myself permission to operate at any point. So in some, in some respects, it's better for me to meet my environment. It's more aligned to lean more into the, into the feminine, to be a little softer and inviting. Right. In other, in other, opportunities it's much more important for me to hold a masculine structure like mm -hmm. a this is my boundary i do not go past this and i i think the comfort at which we can slide around that scale is is reflective of our sovereignty in that moment yeah i can see that i feel like and i feel that is a, a really big piece of the emotional sovereignty because I can, you know, have historically defaulted to the masculine. That's so much of my wiring. And it's generally a relief when I'm responding from the feminine. And it does take me taking myself off of automatic. And a lot of like automatic is unconscious, is not necessarily sovereign. The sovereignty comes when we're like acting consciously and making choices. I'm reminded, and I'm not, I'm not sure if this completely ties in, but I'm reminded of um, leaving a friend's house in Topanga years ago, and it was dark, and we were like parked towards the edge of a cliff. My girlfriend was driving, and she started moving forwards instead of backwards. And I saw the automatic urge to tell her to do it differently, 
And I was like, she's driving. I don't need to micromanage. I don't need to be in the masculine all the time. I'm going to trust that she knows what's going on. And then like a second and a half later, as we were going over the cliff, I was like, stop the car immediately. <laughs> Good use of boundary. So, Great that it was a conscious decision and not just a knee-jerk reaction. It was like I, I, I stopped the knee-jerk and withheld. And then I was like, oh, we're going to die unless I do this. And then we had to like, it was it was really treacherous for her to get out and we had to like call a tow truck and it was like we were teetering on the edge was so, she looking backwards and going forwards who knows who knows there might have been some you know entheogens involved it was a long time ago but it was interesting how i like i was successful in not defaulting to the unconscious masculine and yet it was still appropriate for me <laughs> to use the masculine the the key here is that the sovereignty arises in the in the conscious choice. Right. So we're sovereign when we determine how we're going to address something and then address it. Right. So it's the thought, the action, uh, and I think emotional sovereignty really allows that discernment. It's like a little. Uh, it's like a gauge. What is it that What is it that Guru Singh says? Um, emotions are a gauge, not a guide. So in, in emotional sovereignty, that is a gauge of, of where to, of a self-assessment, and then what's the best use of my choice moving forward. I consider you to be an extremely emotionally sovereign being. Was that always the case? No. I don't think so. I can, well, I, I can think of several uh, several especially early on or more so like adolescence and high school and um a lot of looking for other people towards other people for approval mm. and i think in the journey of knowing who we are and testing and pushing up against that it can be a little rocky it can be an uncomfortable path uh, and and it can be wrought with with the lack of emotional sovereignty because mm -hmm. I'm looking to someone else to affirm that it's okay for me to be here. That's a, that is a whole. That's, that's anathema an, to sovereignty. That, that, that ain't sovereignty. That's not it. No. It's like when, um, when we arrive and we arrive at a, a social gathering. Remember those? When we, arise, <laughs> when we arrive at a social gathering and how we arrive there, like giving ourselves permission to know that we are as allowed to be there and because we are there by virtue of being there we are there uh, i mean i used to party crash and wedding crash all the time right. all the time nice and uh the confidence with which you bring or i brought emotional sovereignty to the table determined how easy it was for me to be welcomed in the environment okay i'm, I'm here to add i'm here to add to this well, and it's also like people take, because so many people are not sovereign and because we're all so suggestible, like when someone comes to a party with the attitude of like, I belong here, I'm the shit, most people are going to sign on to that cue. They're like, oh, okay, this person belongs here. This person's amazing. You know, like people respond to what we give out, what we off gas and radiate. So to walk around with that 
permission, other people are going to be like, oh yeah, it's like anytime I've like snuck into a concert or snuck into a place I'm not going to be, the key is you just act like you're meant to be there and other people believe it. Yeah, there's... Not that I've ever done that. That would not be <laughs> according to the rules. <laughs> we, which which we, we know that DK follows the rules. Yes. All of them. <laughs> all the rules, all the time. Uh, you know, that reminds me of the Bill Murray documentary. You know, there's fabulous. also a book, The Tao of Bill Murray. That, that documentary course, is so great. Of course there is. The Tao of Bill Murray. I love that. It's so good. It's just more and more of those stories of those little incidents that I, like every day, I used to pray that Prince would come knocking on my door to proselytize Jehovah's Witness style. And I, I also pray every day to have one of those Bill Murray experiences. Yeah, there, the, he is a master of emotional sovereignty, of full sovereignty. He knows, there's almost, it's almost like there's a trick to it where, um, and I'll hear people say this, like, I could die and I know that I have, I have done everything that I'm here to do. And almost in that way, it's like, if we approach the day with, with that attitude in a way, and maybe, or maybe some derivative of that attitude where I'm, I'm ready to meet the moment, uh, and wherever I am, I'm exactly here to be. It just takes the charge off of all, all of the energy that radiates off of us as uncertainty, uh, or I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here or act this way or whatnot. That creates a charge energetically that people pick up on. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there's something to like, to that type of sovereignty, that like playful, I, I mean, I would call Bill Murray like the ultimate social shaman, right? He's just like so free and courageous in every moment and acknowledging this is the only moment we have. So how best to optimize and alchemize in this moment? Yeah, the, the, it's really helpful to find models of sovereignty. Do you have models of sovereignty? Well, I mean, Bill Murray is a pretty good model of sovereignty. I'm constantly questioning that um, because sometimes people that we think are sovereign, it's our projection on them that they are. Totally. Like in a lot of ways, Patti Smith is a, embodies a lot of aspects of sovereignty for me as a woman. And yeah, I don't know her, so I'm not going to project that she's like this walking embodiment. And we, we don't actually have to have accurate assessments of the person because part of our reception and understanding uh, as long as there's an understanding that that might not be the person in their entirety, it likely is not. We can still pluck and we can find gems that people, that people share and yeah, then well, use them ourselves. Right. Cause we're not identifying and we're not stapling them to an identity. It's an identity. It's just like these aspects that inspire us and that we appreciate. Yeah, we're, we're constantly creating ourselves. On the physiological sovereignty front, because I feel like that might be where I, I mean, I feel like I've always been pretty wired to claim my sovereignty, but mm -hmm. I remember as a little kid in like first or second grade and the teacher doing, like having everyone see if they could do that, like roll their tongue and also do this with their hands. And the teacher said, if you can't do those things, it's genetic and you will never be able to. I could do neither. And I was like, don't tell me what I can't do. 
and taught myself to do those things. And I feel like that sort of activated a type of physical sovereignty claiming that has like, you know, it really rubs up against the Western medical paradigm of like slapping people with diagnoses and then crippling them with these like projected terrible things that are going to happen. And as a gymnast who injured myself so often as kid, as a kid, I would have doctors say, oh, you're never going to be able to do this. You're never going to be able to do this. And anytime I heard that, it was like, okay, I'll show you. So the pushing up against sovereignty has been a great tool for you. I feel it's like been an it awakening. Been. And, I, and I also feel like true sovereignty has nothing to do with reacting against, right? That, that has been a phase in my ultimate sovereignty pathway. And like we were saying, as far as like whole foods, like as I'm truly sovereign, nothing will trigger me. Someone attempting to clamp down on my sovereignty, I will not have a reaction. And I feel like part of my path up until this point has been reacting to people telling me that I can't do things. And then a more sort of like adolescent rebellious claiming of like, yes, I can, I do whatever I want. Yeah, there's a difference there. There's an evolutionary path in that. Sometimes oh. the adolescent is, is what spurs the next, uh, the next phase of evolution. Exactly. And sometimes also it's a modeling like for others, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to push up against this because there are hundreds of people around and I want them to know that they can do this too. Mm -hmm. There's a permission frequency in that. Right. True sovereignty has emanations of permission, just ripples and ripples of permission. It's uh, very, it's, it's like eternal, infinite, omniscopic permission. It's such a delicious thing to witness too. There's an uplifting. It's almost like, I mean, even if it's as simple as somebody dancing in the street, totally. there's a so, that's a sovereign act. Totally. Or seeing someone like, you know, just wearing fairy wings out and about because they feel like it. I'm like, yeah, you know, yes, that will generally get a, like an out loud yes from me. That's so important. That's so important to do that. I encourage all, all of our listeners to find their unique inspiration. And when it feels right to wear fairy wings or cone head or funny glasses, uh, whatever, Ale, whatever, nothing, you know, whatever it is, do it, rock it, yep. rock it, your sovereignty. And, uh, you know, in, in this physiological sovereignty piece, for me, this comes back to the simple example of surprise, not sorry, and bumping into people uh, and saying, sorry, or, um, obviously, replacing the sorry with surprise. We did an episode on that. And that physical sovereignty doesn't mean that there's no touching or there's not, it's just, it's a, it's an agree, there's an agreement. You know, there's a consent element to, to that. There's both people uh, being in the agreement of that happening and it can be retroactive as well. Uh, the physiological sovereignty also, when, any, when anyone is telling me that I need to do this thing, I should do this thing, or I have to do this thing, um, that has to do with my body, like, you know, the tongue thing, but then also like a medical procedure or, um, you know, to travel, uh, you need to get this vaccination in order to go to this country uh, I think it's, it's important to just be in the know 
of what's right for your body. If that's right for you and that feels good, great. If you feel any kind of, oh, I don't know if that's right, that's just that's a good signal to look deeper into it to know whether or not what is that founded in is that my thought or is that some something that I saw um, or heard uh, and then additionally uh, to be able to say no because you know a wise man a wise man once told me Frank Andrews a very wise man once told me uh, if you if you can't say no to something then you're not truly saying yes to it. And that has been, it's been such a great tool um, and, and a mantra that comes back to me because sometimes we're saying yes and there's pressure to say yes and we don't feel like we can say no. So we say yes. That's not saying yes. That's not yes at all. And there's no sovereignty in that. And I feel like one of the big pieces of sovereignty, which I would like us to delve into, like when you're talking about traveling and being told that you have to have this shot is like people being willing to take responsibility for themselves and I feel like that's the big gap that I see like in culture of people not claiming their sovereignty is that it's easier to not take responsibility and to just let others decide for us and perceived authority figures tell us what to do culture has been created as at least this culture that we live in it's a limited liability culture I mean we are constantly as a culture looking to take as little responsibility as possible mm -hmm. and then we have you know insurance for example right when i think about insurance and how drastically that affects so many levels of responsibility would you for example drive your vehicle if there was not an insurance like if you had to be responsible for whatever happened on the road financially you had to be responsible for that a million percent uh, of course I would. You would, and you would take responsibility. I also, I mean, and um, it would be a very different driving culture, right? I mean, if I, if I knew that me not paying attention driving may, meant that I might bump into some vehicle that maybe the cost to fix would be like $50,000, that might encourage me to be more responsible about how I'm utilizing my driving or coming to the table. I also think that uh, maybe cars would be designed differently. I also think that the cost to fix cars would also be different if insurance didn't play in that. Um, we could take that insurance into the medical space as well, or how much things would cost if it wasn't about, if it wasn't insurance covering it. Well, you can also look at like cars when they did start to institute all these, like wearing seatbelts didn't used to be mandatory. And I, I find the mandatory seatbelt law to be offensive. Like I decide if I choose to belt myself in or not. And I understand the consequences and it's for me to decide. Back in the day, before it was a law, cars were made of steel. Cars were safe. Cars, do you know what I'm saying? Like cars would hit one another. My first car was a 67 Barracuda. I, I could smash into someone at 70 miles per hour and be totally safe because the car was made well. So part of it, I wonder if that didn't come in as a means of like skimping and making crummier cars and like, oh, well, we'll just tie it into the legal system and infantilize people even more and then profit. And then it's like this whole thing. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is what we're speaking to is the, the limited liability culture. And to push back against that or really just to claim uh, 
your responsibility shifts the way that life engages with you as a sovereign being? A million percent. I think it's specifically interesting in the wellness conversation, given that like you create a wellness product, we've been nerds about high vibe wellness and optimal health for such a long time. Like I know how to take care of my body temple and I take care of it very well. Like I'm very mindful of what I eat and how I exercise and all of those things, which is why, you know, like the idea of universal healthcare, like I don't want this country's idea of healthcare. It really rubs up against how I know how to take care of myself. So I don't want that to be mandated and I'm not going to hold anyone else responsible for how I take care of myself because I've claimed responsibility for that and I'm doing a good job. You're doing a great job, DK. Thanks. You're doing a great job. Way to take responsibility for your health. And I'm, I'd be curious to know where a one-size-fits-all solution has worked in history and, um, and how many people could it possibly work for? And when I say work, not just get by, not just prolong the mundane, but really, um, and nothing against the word mundane, which is just actually a lovely word. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that, I don't see that the one size fits all solution for just about anything lines up with sovereignty since we are all unique beings with unique responses to life, to life. Um, I, actually, I want to, I want to jump from, I want to jump into that nature model because it feels like it's knocking on the door. The, uh, the beauty of, of watching how nature is sovereign into itself. You know, like there's a level of sovereignty about a tree. Like a tree is a sovereign entity that is interdependently related on its environment. In the same way that the forest is a sovereign entity, like a, an, a drop in the ocean is a sovereign entity, just as the ocean is a sovereign entity. There's no expecting. It's like a lot of human stuff, right? It's a lot of, uh, there's an entitlement thing or there's like a needing the other to be different for me to be thriving. That, that's, uh, that doesn't fit into the sovereignty model. No, that's and control. That is the control model. And so in that way, uh, you know, aside from, you know, I'm thinking maybe coyotes and how they really brilliantly stalk their prey and uh, will bait uh, little animals with like, oh, here's a little bit of scrap that I found in the garbage. You can have it. And then they surround the animal. And there's, that has a certain, um, but that's a different type of control. Do you know? I feel like that's control. Cause that's like wired into mother nature. Like every creature has its superhero skills and every creature has its vulnerabilities and you don't see like rabbits like banding together for how marginalized they are because coyotes eat them and how coyotes are like these cruel oppressors like they we acknowledge that there's an interdependence and there are predators and nature isn't fair and that's how it works yeah there's a there's a sovereign structure that's set up as well in nature the law is abundance scarcity is not more valuable in nature no it's just not 
And, no, and we're nature. We're not. We're nature. nature. We're not exempt from that law. Right. So I think we're we're finding our way as a culture. There's like a. Are we? Are well, we finding our way? We are in an adolescent phase. In the same way that there's a that there's a pushback, or in the same way that uh, Waheguru, in the same way that all light comes from darkness. There, there is a finding our way, even if it, even if it uh, looks like we're, we're supposed to be heading north and we're walking southeast. We're walking southeast, but we're supposed to be heading north, but really we're on our way north. We're, we're going to have to double back on it, but we're on our way north. So, so what is your take on the collective state of sovereignty right now? I think it's in, uh, it's in a, to me, it's in a little bit of a sad state. Clear, cancel, delete. Not a little bit. It's in a sad state right now. Um, and I think we're, uh, most people are confused. They don't, they don't even, they maybe don't know what sovereignty is. It's not a word that's really emphasized in, uh, in our schooling system, for example. And not only not knowing what it is, but how to take it for themselves. And because oftentimes taking sovereignty for yourselves, the relationships around you will push back. Mm. There's a pushback in that. Um, and to continue doing what is right by, by virtue of your own discernment, that is, there's a, uh, that's on slow motion in culture right now. I, I don't think people know what is right for them because they're so used to being told what is right for them and defaulting to experts and defaulting to experts. authorities experts authorities like they're not they're yeah they are uh valid in their own and if you if you want to take it's it's just it's a if you're not able to say no to it then you're not actually saying yes then you're enslaved to it i think another piece that dropped in after I asked the question is that people don't trust themselves. And I think for us to be truly sovereign, sovereign, we must trust ourselves like to, you know, down to the core to know that we're whatever we can meet any challenge that we come up against and to really cultivate that trust. And I feel like part of the, the, the lack of development in collective sovereignty that I'm witnessing has to do with people not trusting themselves and not having been, you know, put themselves or, or been put in experiences and situations that would allow them co to cultivate that self-trust. I feel like we've been infantilized from such, you know, from the get-go and we have a culture that infantilizes us and continues to encourage that infantilization and therefore people don't have the opportunity to learn what they're made of and to learn how strong and capable they really are. Which is why it's important to share this episode. <laughs> but it's important because when we're talking about culture and society, we're talking about the, the, the mainstream, but then also not just the mainstream. There are alternative tributaries that are also, that are not exempt from this. And for more and more of us to continue on the journey of sovereignty and of waking up to what that means for ourselves, trusting ourselves, also just calling, and you know, when you said that, um, calling into question our fear of death. It's, I mean, I feel, I just got a chill and I feel like that's really 
the origin point and what it all boils down to. Because it is a one in one out policy. It, I continue to come back to that. We all get to experience this, this thing called death at some moment. The opposite of death is not life. The opposite of death is birth. Just like we all experience birth. And however we came into this world, that was, that I'm sure that that was a very, that must have been a peak experience. It's probably our initial peak experience is birth. And I don't know why death wouldn't also be a peak experience. Um, I think fear of it irrationally because of all of these thoughts that we're told to have, but then also just our biological programming, which plays into it. Um, I think it's a distraction from us being here in this moment and trusting ourselves and knowing how to make decisions that are right. You know, it's like uh, the people that we admire, the people who are leaders that we celebrate, like Martin Luther King Jr., he knew that by saying and doing what he was doing and doing what was right and doing what was filling him and giving him the energy and that volume of humanity, like he, he had his dials turned up very high. He's not doing this so that he can live as long as possible or to avoid death. I think it's, it's like, it's not length. It's like the fullness of the expression in it. It's like live as big as possible, live as true as possible versus yeah. long. I feel like that's where our culture um, is tripping people up is this notion of like, it's about how long we live. And like, look at the, the crazy lengths they'll go to to prolong someone's life like in the hospital by like a week or a few days and it'll cost like millions of dollars and take all this like human ingenuity and it's like for a week or a couple days or whatever. Or maybe the person um, is, it survives the experience and then comes into their new experience altered in a way that uh, that is, you know, challenging or the quality of life. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not, an, again, it's not a one size fits all for some people. Um, I'm thinking about Natan's brother, my, it would be my uncle-in-law, I would say. Um, he was in a, an automobile incident. He called it an incident, not an accident, which I love. Um, and was basically paralyzed. He was in a coma, I think for almost nine months, which is a really long time. Yeah. It's a very long time. And he came back in a, his, he was physically never the same, very athletic, very, um, had an amazing voice, came back, didn't have the voice that he knew, didn't have the physical abilities, but for him, he, uh, at least from what I, from what I hear about him, it activated his, his connection with the divine in a way that made him super wise. He had the words to speak that were, that were what, what people needed to hear. Uh, he wrote really funny poetry. He, he found his way. Um, and in that way, I think awesome that he was able to, uh, that medicine didn't fail him. Right. Um, so it's, it's not an all the time thing. I, again, it's like, uh, it's our choice in that. I mean, it'd be, that's would the thing. Be, it's like we need to be granted. Like we don't need to be granted that choice. We need to eradicate the notion that we don't have that choice. Like my right. friend Stephen had colon cancer, and he was in his forties, and he went into the hospital for 
surgery and he came out with a feeding tube and a colostomy bag. And he was like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign off on this. I don't want this. This isn't life for me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that was obviously extremely challenging and he chose to end his life and got a lot of criticism for that. And it's like, it's no one else's business. Yeah, that's uh it's a it's a very intimate choice that we have. It's probably the most intimate choice we have. And uh it's something that's very much avoided because it's shadow material. It's like, oh, we don't want to talk about death in this culture. We're so pro-life and there's a longevity. And uh, I remember someone asking me, because I was when I was eating raw and vegan back in the day, and someone was asking me, like, are you doing this so you can live to 200 years old or 500 years old? And I said, no, I, I'm choosing this because I want to feel today like I would do this for 500 years more. Like I'm enjoying this moment so much. I'm enjoying the fullness of my life so much that I would do this eternally. It's a whole paradigm shift. It's not about getting someplace else in the future. It's about optimizing the present moment. Like if, is, it sounds so little as I just say it, and it's, it's really epic, that shift, that lens shift. It's the heart of sovereignty. There's, I don't think you can go back. I, I don't think you can go back. I don't want to no. go back. Not, not. What's your take on um, like official sovereignty? Like people who choose the sovereignty path in terms of like maritime law and that, that whole realm. Super fascinating to me. I have, since I, I started researching and learning about that, uh, it's, it's always been, uh, or I guess not always been, uh, since I started looking into it, it has been fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I've incorporated some of these pieces into my life. Not all of them. And that's an interesting thing. Like, why, why haven't I, um, you know, eschewed my, you know, or, or filed the paperwork to unhook my, my corporate entity from my real personness? And uh, you have you know, to file paperwork to do that? I mean, because we've checked in a birth certificate, right. we are at the birth, uh, you know, that's what you call a birth at a, at a port. You know, you check in and you check out, and then there are different things that we do along the line that have such deep symbolic meaning. So deep that we don't even have a clue. That we've or, agreed to things. That we've agreed, to, that we're all, most people don't know that we're corporate entities. It's a, it's a deep, deep funnel and it's a deep well and it's not an easy path it's uh culturally it's culturally challenging um i mean i know i know some people that have followed it to a t and like very in-depth like they'll drive a vehicle they don't put a license plate on the vehicle because that means that the state owns the vehicle and can take it at any moment right when they get pulled over they then use the sovereignty of language to you know, to show, to prove in a way, but not having like, I don't need to prove to you this, that, the other. I'm a sovereign being. I'm not within your paradigm. I'm Maybe they curious, get arrested. I'm always curious how many cops know. Cause like, I, you know, from what I've studied about sovereignty, it is all about the languaging. So it's like, is this your vehicle? No, this is my conveyance or whatever. And I'm curious, like how many cops are hip to the coding in the languaging? 
I'm sure through experience they encounter here and there. Some of them probably get really curious about it. I wonder, uh, at some point though, we learn enough to know, I think it would, I personally, I think it would be challenging to be a police officer and be fully immersed in the sovereignty law conversation. Well, how would you be able to live with, like, it's such a conflict as far as upholding these laws. Like when you know that human being means monster in legalese, like how could you then in good conscience be addressing your fellow human beings as monsters and feel good about yourself and what you're doing? Can you roll back to that? Human being means monster. Can we just yeah, open that so up for I, a second? I have also dipped into the sovereignty realm and I took some sovereignty classes at the old Manson Spawn Ranch back in the day in Chatsworth. Wow. Yeah, it was exciting times. And um, so we were taught, so the legal dictionary, which is what law is based on, is very different from like the Webster's or the Cambridge Dictionary. And according to the legal dictionary, the definition of human being means monster. Wow. Right. Which is why so much of sovereignty is knowing, like, to not agree to this word. No, it's not my automobile. It's my conveyance. No, I'm not a human being. I'm a, you know, I don't know what it is. I think they generally say state citizen. But it's always, like, understanding how they're defining these words and knowing what to sign on to and what not to sign on to. It's very heady and very, like, uh, it feels very petty to me like that mm. whole study because you're playing like to to play the sovereignty game and to like win it feels like so you have to learn the game you have to disentangle yourself from the game you have to give a lot of energy to memorizing the game i've noticed for myself over the years as fascinated as i've been with the notion of becoming sovereign and i've like dipped my toe in um generally when I like read a book on sovereignty or I watch a video, like my brain won't even take it in. It gets translated into like peanuts, adults, gobbledygook speak. <laughs> totally. And it, like, it won't drop in. And now I'm at a place where I feel like to, to claim one's sovereignty in the construct is to legitimize the construct and to still let the construct di dictate. And now on this end of it, I'm feeling like sovereignty has nothing to do with a construct. It's an internal, like multidimensional alignment that's so much larger than earthly law. So there's a, there's a paradigm, there's a loyalty and a fidelity to the paradigm that we're living in that can be, uh, let me let me unpack what I'm well, a lot of stuff just landed in my mind right now. Let's take a deep breath. Okay. I always welcome because we know it true. A deep breath. It's good. We we more of those with our with our viewers as well. Thanks for taking a deep breath with us there. This is some heady stuff sometimes. So because we acknowledge that what we program as our paradigm becomes our paradigm. Yep. What you just said is super important because to be free in a not free society, is that to be free? If you're engaging with it all the time? That's the thing. It's like, um, I notice a lot of people who go sovereign 
spend a lot of time in court to defend their sovereignty, which is just, it's still staying and playing in the construct. So I feel like my definition of sovereignty is like, I'm not even in that construct. Like I'm not, and I don't disparage the construct. I'm not rejecting, you know, I strive, let's see, the, the aim is to not reject the construct. It's just to establish a completely different construct that has nothing to do with reacting to or defending myself against or indicating why the established paradigm is wrong or dumb or enslavement or whatever. It's just like, not even in it. I acknowledge this paradigm and I choose that paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a video. I, I had a feeling that we were going to talk about sovereignty in the way that legal legalese works and maritime law and such. And there's a video that was going around uh, the I don't answer questions. <laughs> that we both sent to each other. <laughs> that we both sent to each other like within the same like, 20 minutes, I think. Um, and that, I think that is a, that is an appropriate use that can be an appropriate use of sovereignty because we're, we're so programmed to respond to authority or to perceived authority without thinking. Uh, or to answer questions without thinking. And can you, uh, can you clue the audience in as to what this video was about? Yes, definitely. This is um this is like a tip and a trick. Uh, what to do when you get pulled over? And uh, it shows all of these uh, people with their phones in their cars recording them getting pulled over and saying the officer asks questions like, um, you know, do you have this or do you know what you're doing or whatever the whatever the question was because I think that the police officers are in a questioning approach. The guys, the different characters say, I don't answer questions. I don't answer questions. And it's the response to every question. I don't answer questions. Right, so and even when they're like, why not? I don't answer questions. Exactly. That's and not it's like a, a trick. Like that's the like, for me, that's the, the mastery of the I don't answer questions is when, when, when um, met with the why not to stick with the I don't answer questions because then we're obliterating the construct of you ask a question and I'm supposed to answer you. Yeah, socially it's polite to answer the question, but we're not talking about social politeness. We're talking about sovereignty, which is more universal politeness. You know, it's like respecting the, the nature of your being. Right. And the, the I don't answer questions is rooted in the Fifth Amendment. So when you say, I take the Fifth, you're basically saying, I'm not answering that question. Right. Answering that question would put me in danger or something like this. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to that, to that YouTube video in our show notes, just because it is entertaining and does prompt a little bit. Maybe there's someone you want to send it to as well, along with this episode, <laughs> as you that, feel called. That was really mind-blowing to me. Like seeing people sticking with the I don't answer questions and just feeling like the freedom in that like oh I can do that this is an option and and then just seeing where I was so not sovereign to not know or allow myself that as an option and how we're just so indoctrinated to not be sovereign yeah there's a breaking free there's a phoenix moment that happens in the sovereignty evolution for the self yeah and Likely you're already on the journey. I mean, if you're, if you're tuning into us, you're on the journey. You're on the journey. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, if, you know, there's one more thing that I wanted to jump into, um, and that is, your, is the blind spots. 
So, you know, for you, what, what tools, what do you use to, uh, to identify your blind spots and uh, where you, when you are giving your power away? And then what do you use to reclaim, reclaim that? Wow. These are such big questions, I guess. I mean, when I lose my shit, <laughs> right? When I lose my emotional center, when I rage out, that's showing me a place in myself where I'm not sovereign. Or if I go to blame, right? Or if I'm looping on some sort of like, someone is doing something wrong. Like if I'm victimizing myself ever to someone else's actions or rules or behavior or words, then that is a clue that there's a place in me where I am not sovereign, where I'm still tethered to like an unintegrated trauma or reaction that has me like unconsciously giving away my power or my peace of mind or my stress levels. Um, so like, I mean, recently, just like in the past couple of days, like in the dating realm, like I'm noticing like thoughts looping of, of just like old insecurities and noting that like, okay, when I'm doing that, there's something in me that still wants to be healed. Um, so I'd say the biggest thing is when I notice a blind spot is like, I need to be with myself and I need to not project and not be with other people or in situations where I can blame and I need to get really quiet and get to like get to the meat of the matter within me. Beautiful. What yeah, about there's, you? Well, I, I want to set this up by saying that a blind spot, even though there, there is a tinge of it being a, a bad thing or a negative, it's really a treasure hunt. I mean, for me, I'm constantly on a treasure hunt for my blind spots to we know where it is. Them. I mean, that's the path to sovereignty, right? It's just let's collect these and shine light on them. Where can I be more free? Where am I? Where do I not feel free? Oh, and what would that. my life? I just want to pause. Where yeah. can I be more free? That is such a fabulous prompt and gift to everyone listening. I'm taking that as a gift. Yeah, you, you gave me a gift that prompted that gift <laughs> and the gifting merry-go-round. Um, am I making this decision from scarcity or sovereignty? Mm. And that is a that is a nice filter to approach life with, especially with decisions, even if it's a small decision, because giving up our power, little, 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 little here and there, it adds up. It adds up. So, so adds up and like is so caustic to all of the bodies on these like subtle, like saying yes to things that are an authentic no, even if it's the littlest thing, like those little grains of sand build up. You know, and um, <laughs> there's an exercise I'm, I don't recall where it came from. Uh, I think it actually may have been from Frank Andrews, just to bring him up again. He wrote an excellent book called The Art and Practice of Loving. Mm. And I took a course from Frank Andrews called Personal Empowerment in my last year of college. And uh, it was actually the reason why I went to UC Santa Cruz was because a family friend said he took this course, it changed his life. You should go to UC Santa Cruz. And then I ended up going to UC Santa Cruz and taking this course and look at this uh, years, decades later, a decade and a half later, I'm, uh, I'm still 
utilizing this wisdom. So thank you, Frank Andrews. And um, all of that intro to, um, can you remind me a, a moment? Can you take me back to where? Well, I asked, you had asked me like how I clue into blind spots and then what I do with them. And then I flipped it back to you. And something that you had said in, oh, the scarcity. Am I making this decision oh. from sovereignty or from scarcity? And that being a good filter. And then you can't say, you're not saying, you're not saying yes if you're, if you can't say no. Also, you asking yourself, how can I be more free? And blind spots aren't necessarily negatives. They're treasures. Right. How can I be more free? This is us tracking, ladies and gentlemen. Tracking. We track, the, we track our conversations. We're nonlinear. What is linear? We, we celebrate the nonlinear. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. uh, I may let myself off the hook for it. Uh, though, Frank Andrews... Frank Andrews, oh, there's an exercise. That's what it is. Yes. yes! <laughs> uh, uh. Did it. Okay. Um, it's practicing the little, the little no's. So someone asks you, oh, can you hand me the salt? No. Yeah. Can you do this thing or can you grab me that? Can you, can you, um, can you pass me my water or can you open the door or can, it's the little things. And at first it feels rude and obviously, use some discernment with practicing it. But something like that, like, can you pass the salt and say, no. Or not can you, but like, no, I won't Would do that. You? Would you? You know, and there's, there's something to practicing the little nose and it's just knowing how it feels in your body to have that freedom to say totally. no. And, there, and it's a muscle. Like, I do this in my quantum languaging workshops. It tends to be like when I do interactive workshops, it'll be the last exercise. And I give people a bunch of prompts and require them to say no. And then we all sort of unpack together how that felt and how most of us don't have a lot of experience with the no muscle and it's feeling guilty and wanting to be people pleasers and like assuming that other people aren't self-responsible adults and can't handle it and how it takes practice to undo the charge around, around giving people no's. It's liberating for both parties. Totally. For both parties. There's, a, there's an empowerment in sharing a moment with someone where sovereignty is claimed. The other person has, has been, you know, they have that field that they are in with you in that moment. It's a really beautiful thing. Not always comfortable, but pretty much always expansive. When my friends who tend towards like the people pleasing or the codependent or who have like shady boundaries, give me a no, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I can be a part of them claiming their truth, their power, their boundaries, like I'm honored that I get to be on the receiving end of those no's. This is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I know that we could go deeper into the sovereignty conversation and maybe we will pick it up uh, at a future episode. Uh, is there anything else that you wanna cover? Uh, just kind of last tips, tidbits, uh, invitations for the audience? Um, I 
like the idea of asking, inviting the audience to ask themselves, where can I be free? Where yes. can I be more free? And to just check in with like the have tos, the supposed tos, the I can't, like just to be mindful of where we're giving our sovereignty away, where we're claiming to be ignorant of our sovereignty, which is being dishonest. Hmm. And to instead claim our sovereignty, you know, it's like, instead of I have to, I choose to, instead of I can, I'm going to do something else. And to just be mindful of our own agency and our own authority as, as creators and as children of, of source. And I feel like there's, there is a responsibility in that to like hold ourselves, you know, in our sovereign glory. And that that is a, a gift and a responsibility. And for us to like, step into that i i hear that and i applaud that and i want to add to it as a prompt for the for our listeners and for you as well and for myself uh to visualize and imagine and sit with even if it's just for a few minutes wherever you are just close your eyes if you're driving don't close your eyes um or no yeah i'm not gonna tell you what to do i just wouldn't close my eyes driving <laughs> um aside from blinking so imagine what the world looks like as a sovereign collective mm -hmm. yes. and hold that, hold that thought, find the details in it. Imagine the beauty of what does it look like for everyone to feel free? Yeah. And embody that freedom and embody that freedom and share that freedom. Yeah. Uh, because it is a possibility. There is a reality that is running parallel to this one where that is the foundation and that is truth. And I don't think it's that far from where we are. No, let's claim no. it. Let's collapse the perceived distance between that reality and this one and live it now. Yes. <laughs> here now. Coming to you here now. Thank you, DK, for this enlightening conversation. Thank you, Justin. And uh, thank you to our listeners, to, uh, to all of the, the listeners' uh, sovereignties that are being engaged. And uh, thanks for sharing this episode, liking this episode, the, supporting this, uh, this Conscious Awesome party uh, supports your consciousness expanding as ours and us moving closer and closer to that everyone freedom full sovereignty, be your own ruler, take responsibility, awesome sauce life that we all get to live by virtue and permission of being incarnated. What? Hallelujah. <laughs> also subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Talk to you Thanks, guys soon. Awesome. Bye guys. Yes. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest. And remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe.